friends, and welcome to this edition of the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am Paul Hudrick, and I am joined, as always, by Seamus Clancy. We have plenty to talk about today. First of all, the Eagles, now 12-1 and after completely trouncing the Giants. It was wonderful. It was so enjoyable. We're going to get into that, Seamus. I know you were there. We're also going to talk some Sixers. Joel Embiid with a big weekend, 91 points over the course of a couple games. James Harden back and looking a little bit better as each kind of game passes here, so encouraging signs there. We'll get a little bit into the Phillies, the Trey Turner presser. He was announced. They did make another couple of signings, bringing on a couple more arms and some other stuff happening around the league we can talk about. And the Flyers are a hockey team in the NHL, so there's that. But we have to start Eagles. A uh, hell of a win for the Eagles. Just completely ab- obliterate the Giants. Very fun to watch from beginning to end. 48-22 to 22 the final. And even that feels like it wasn't even indicative of how much of a beatdown this was. Um, Jalen Hurts. Looks like an MVP candidate, Seamus, I would say. Uh, Miles Sanders, another monster day. And, yeah, you were there. Yeah. Uh, other, other other, than your horrible cheesesteak, unless you want to talk about your horrible cheesesteak, um, just oh, what, what are your main takeaways from from, from being there uh, as the Eagles just completely decimated the Giants? Yeah, that was my first time at the Meadowlands as a media member. I had never gone to the old Meadowlands I went last season to MetLife for the Eagles-Jets game, I guess you could say, as a spectator, a fan before my you know, big-time journalism days or whatever. We're going to make fun of myself and call this. Yeah, walking in the stadium, I saw there – I got there pretty early. I'm, I'm an early bird in time, especially I haven't been to a place before. I've never made that drive for work. I've never been in their press room. I don't even know where it's located. So I get there pretty early, before 9 o'clock. I get there, uh, you know, walking towards where I would go to the elevators for the press area – there was a stand, obviously wasn't open yet, said the new, the original New York Cheesesteak Company. I snapped a pic of that, obviously, and had to put it on Twitter. And that blew up a little bit, people replying, you know, shit like that. And then I said to myself, talked to my boss, I said, look, if I buy this $15 cheesesteak, whatever, is it okay if I expense it? And they're like, yeah. So I was like, okay, awesome. Go down there, you know, it's about 10.55. I assume the gates open at 11. They're, they're cutting up cheesesteaks. I asked, can I get a cheesesteak? You got a fresh you're too early. You're too early. You can't get one. Go and sat in the rain in the seats down there because I had to go to the first level for like 15 minutes because I felt so embarrassed to go back. This guy that absolutely needed to get a cheesesteak so badly at 11 a.m. and go do this. I was I was embarrassed. When I went back, I wish I wish they didn't recognize my face, but I'm certainly the first person who bought one. Or whatever. <laughs> anyway, it was terrible. The roll was terrible. I think that's what it came down to. The meat was dry. The cheese wasn't. I mean, it's cheese whiz even cheese to begin with. I'm wearing a hat that literally has freaking cheese whiz on it. Uh, Design-wise, not for my own sloppiness. Uh, Mitchell Ness cheesesteak Philly had it going on. If you're watching on YouTube or watching a clip, it was bad. It was bad. And it I'm looked not, bad. I can't lie. It looked pretty I, bad. I'm not really a cheesesteak snob at all either. Someone might want yeah. to assume that the way you might be a beer snob, Paul. The <laughs> way, uh, when I was freelancing a few years ago, I did an article for a site. And it was ranking the best, my favorite cheesesteaks in the city. It wasn't this, you know, ultimatum. This is this is exactly what it is. You know, the first thing I said in there, I think almost any cheesesteak you get in the, the greater area around Philadelphia, it's pretty good. Like, you just went to a corner cheesesteak place in Northeast Philly, South Jersey, South Philly. They're probably going to be on par, if not even better sometimes, than the spots that have all the, you know, the glamour and get written up and the big Instagram videos and stuff like that. So like I would go and gladly eat a patch cheesesteak. 
You know what I mean? Something like that. Like, I, I don't, I don't think that's actually like a bad thing. You know, sometimes things are famous for a reason. And I think there is a fun factor of sometimes going to more of those classic places. I'm not really a Geno's guy. If it's four o'clock in the morning and the Eagles just won the Super Bowl, I would, I would probably eat one, you know, but you get what I'm saying there. Yeah. It was bad. It was no, bad. Yeah. It was bad. We uh we just had there was a there was a big uh cheesesteak conversation had in the Sixers media room the other night and we were it was a big discussion. And that's I I've had Pats and Geno's many times. Um yeah. in, the in South Philly, I didn't even know there were that many other options, right? Just the no. world outside your window type thing. I was like, okay, yeah. well, there's this place Phil is a couple blocks away from me. And no, then it's good. And then on you know, the I call it South Philly Times Square there. The East Pass Shunk intersection, you obviously have Geno's and Love Pats, it. and yeah. I wouldn't necessarily walk that far there when I was, you know, younger. Whether it's grade school, high school, whatever, and would people like the place that's closest to them, which I think is entirely fine. That's part of the the fun of it. That's part of the regional nature of Philadelphia that makes it such a special place, right? Right, and that's like you know, uh, Jazz, who was our Jazz Kang, who was our podcast mm-hmm. uh, guru here at Liberty Ballers. He, when he was in Philly for training camp, I guess that was last season. Um, I brought, you know, he's like, oh, I want to have a Philly cheesesteak. I'm like, all right, well, I was like, do you want to go to like, do you just want to do Pats and Geno's? Cause like, that's the spot. If There's nothing wrong with doing that. Yeah. Right. And it's like, that's what I'm saying. Like, just to say you did it right. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't see anything wrong with that at all. Um, but he's like, nah, I want to try like a, something a little bit more, you know, like, you know, m- maybe a place that's kind of has a, a rep, but isn't like, you know, isn't Pats or Geno's. Yeah. So I actually was going to go to gyms, but they were undergoing renovations at that time. So I think they're that. opening back up. Not yet, so. but I think they yeah. are. But that was uh, that was kind of the sweet spot. I would tell someone, look, it's better than yeah, Pats and Gino's. Right. It's slightly less famous, but still, you know, it does probably have some national branding just beyond the area, too. So that's one I would recommend to out-of-towners yeah. people in college. We wound up going to Ishka Bibbles because that was just, at, with Jim's, that was a nice kind of backup. I had one for the right first time a couple weeks ago, about a month or two ago. Nice. Yeah. It was I mean, good. It's, it's good. The, the chicken cheesesteaks are where it's at it's if you're going to go to Ishka cheese. Bibbles. They have the best cheese fries in the city. Hmm, okay, so, I like that take. And I'm not even a huge cheese tray guy, yeah. but I'm a, a fan of Joe's. Joe's, Joe's. Steaks? I love Joe's. Yes, they. I, uh, I did not include them on the list previously that I did because of uh, some unfortunate previous branding and naming they had. I don't even really want to say it on the podcast. I recall it. Yes. Yeah, um, it always had a good, uh, you know, good rep in terms of not not the business in that aspect, but the cheesesteaks yes. themselves and. Uh, I live a little closer up there now than I do South Philly. So that's probably the cheesesteak place hit most. And it's pretty damn good. It's better yeah, than Pats and Gino's. Yeah. Uh, one option I like as a heavier guy to make myself feel slightly better, you could get their cheesesteak on a wrap oh. rather than on a big, gigantic roll. So I'll take the big, gigantic roll. It's still still not good for you at all, but it, no. whatever cognitive dissonance you need to get through the day works. But it's for good. You. There's. There's a good ratio. I, I love me. I love a good meat to cheese ratio. Not too much, not too little. Yeah. Like, yeah the, the role, obviously, that's as, as anyone will tell you, that's, you know, part of what makes it. So, but yeah, Joe's is good. I was not anticipating us spending the first 10 minutes of this podcast talking about cheesesteaks, but here we are. And it's okay. Cause I listen, this is a Philly, this is a Philly sports podcast. And I feel like that's woven into the fabric of Philly sports in a way. That got more reads than anything I wrote about the Eagles. Yeah, I on believe Sunday. It. I believe it. And I, I believe I recall the outlet you did the cheesesteak post for. And I believe it's an outlet that I also worked for. And yes. that also got quite a bit of traffic. So yes, you have to say did. their names. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, I just need to pivot to food reporter and I could have my own media empire. There it is. And then you, yeah, then you're made in the shade. Then you want to be a sports writer and make no money. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. 
And they get all your food for free, so you don't have to even pay for meals anymore. Yes. And beer, too, for that matter. I'm sure you could, again, we beer into that. And I'm already on that train. Well, that's true. You are. That's true. (laughs) You you do have the beer hookup. That's true. Um, Kenwood, good beer. No, uh, but anyway, the Eagles, they won a football game by a lot of points and looked pretty damn good doing it. It's always good when they do it against a team like the Giants or any interdivisional rival. It's always nice to see. Uh, you were there. What were, your, what were just some of your biggest takeaways, whether it was during the game, uh, uh, post-game, pre-game, whatever? Uh, what were your biggest takeaways? I thought that was their most complete dominant performance. I guess potentially the Titans score looks a little bit better, 35-10. They did have like a super-duper garbage time touchdown, beyond garbage time touchdown to get that extra eight points at the end. But, uh, you know, they they played unbelievable in the ground game against Green Bay, scored 40 points. Hurts sliced them and diced them through the air against Tennessee, scored 35 points, put up 48 points. Hurts did everything he needed to do as a passer to put them up early, put them up a lot. It's a 21 0 lead in the first quarter. And then Miles Sanders, I guess for the third time this season, three times this season, he set a career high in rushing yards. That was back against Jacksonville, against Green Bay when they set the franchise mark or almost eclipsed the franchise mark for the Super Bowl era. It was the franchise record for, I think, 386 yards or 363 yards, something like that. And Miles hits 144, just one yard above what he had in that Green Bay game. Unbelievable year for a guy. Of the season, too. Yeah, yeah, first time he's had 1,000 yards in his career. It's the first Eagle to have 1,000 yards in the season since LaShawn McCoy hit, I think, the 13-19 or something like that in 2014. Uh, Miles already has – 10 rushing touchdowns this season. Before this year, he had 11 total touchdowns, I believe, offense and uh, receiving and rushing combines. Uh, the guy has – I was always someone who was a little ambivalent on him, someone I thought the production didn't necessarily meet the talent and eye test sometimes. But, man, he's put it all together. He's the healthiest it's been. That's what Nick Sirianni sort of alluded to in his post-game press conference down in the Meadowland basement, little dungeon they put us in. <laughs> That what's uh, you know someone asked what's the difference between Miles this year and last and I'd say you know other facets of the team are obviously working well the passing game if, if you have an elite passing game the run game is going to work really really well late in games isn't it and if you have a quarterback like Jalen Hurts that is you know Nick Sirianni always says he wants his team to be multiple that goes for offense defense whatever no quarterback in the league can be more multiple if you put that word in quotes in the Eagles right now given. You know, Justin Fields has been unbelievable as a run this season. Has already set a couple all-time marks for quarterback rushing games. But Jalen Hurts is right there up with him, up there with him, especially with Lamar Hurt this season, having down here Kyler. Unfortunately, looks like he suffered a catastrophic injury last in a Monday Night Football. Uh, Sunday will be the best two running quarterbacks in the league right now, guys that are healthy and being productive in, in the mode right now. And that's something to take away with Miles Dunn, though, because his vision's better. His balance is better. He's he's getting inside, outside quicker on those you know, little one little one cut moves and you know peeling off those big home run type runs he really only did as a rookie i feel like and that lesson and lesson as the years went on and then what i thought was damaging to miles for a bit in terms of my own perception as a player was last year when they switched to that ultra pre-world war ii rushing attack that got them in the playoffs that coincided with him being hurt and i'm thinking yeah. okay if they're doing this with Jordan Howard off the street for the third time in the last five years, he comes in and saves the day as this, you know, this vet off the street and Bosco does really well. And Kenny Gainwell has scores a lot of touchdowns. What's the disconnect with miles there? And he's someone who is very well liked in the rocker room. He's someone who Jalen hurts likes everyone likes there. 
wasn't an issue or something like that or anything like that. I don't want to, you know, cast a notion like that. But this year he's very clearly put it all together. And I think he's continuously playing himself out of the Eagles price range. Mm. And I say that as a compliment to him, not, not as a negative, certainly. He is going to get a big deal from some team that wants to reshape their ground game entirely. That's not going to be the Eagles. The Eagles, you know, maybe if he was closer to his 2020-2019 self, they would keep him back. But the rate he's on, uh, and it's not necessarily a thing, oh, he has too much miles on him, you know, literal in, in, in that sense, not his name. It's not something like that. It's just uh, he's going to get a big contract from someone. And hats offered him to play in this well. And he's a, he's an integral cog of this offense. It's it's not the same if Jordan Howard's in there. It's not the same if Boston Scott's getting all those reps. Though I do love Sirianni for all those Eagles fans out there that did that Boston Scott anytime touchdown prop bet because they were playing <laughs> in the Meadowlands because they were playing against the Giants. Sirianni, the pandering king. Uh, not that he would ever say that he did that on purpose for you know to, as an ode to fans. It just happens he's the third string running back going in there in a blowout game, but. Uh, still fun to see Boston Scott crush the Giants sometimes. Also had that really nice kick return. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, really nice kick return, too. Uh, that was a fun one, man. That was fun to watch in person. That was fun to cover. It was fun to talk to the players about after the game. Ride home for the first 40 minutes, complete sleep, couldn't see a damn thing. And I'm thinking, and I'm driving there. And I'm like, damn, what's the last thing I wrote before I die? I did a prof- I did a feature on Brandon Graham. I think I can go out happy if this, if this was the way it transpired i texted my boss i texted my fiance ashley texted my parents I, I said look it's unbelievable i could barely find my car in the parking lot so mm. i had glasses on and they're covered in, in sleet and snow and by you know six seven o'clock whenever it wasn't dark out there then when i take my glasses off i can't see the car because i can't see that far without my glass i'm like <laughs> i'm in the ash i wanted to tweet the dude where's my car uh, <laughs> film poster on Twitter. I was like, I need to get in the car and just get the F home. I text him. I'm not looking at my phone until I get, I park my car back in Philly. Don't text. Don't call. I need to get the hell out of here. Came home safely, relaxed, but fun I'm trip. Glad. Fun trip. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you came home safely. Yeah. yeah. It's I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not a fan of, of people like around here love snow. And I'm like, I don't, I don't snow's cool. Like one day and then everything else about it sucks especially driving in it so it's a kid's thing it's a kid's thing yeah like and i don't mean that there's grown adults that that really do enjoy it very much and i don't get those adults at all um there are adults that probably don't have to shovel their driveways yeah it's it's Um, a lot of factors like that they like it like a kid does there's wonderment and you have a child you're uh still very out there yeah yeah will there never be snow days anymore do you think because of the advent of probably not world for kids that's a shame man it is a shame. That there sucks. is something something Wondrous. extra joyous about that that random snow day, especially when you don't kind of don't see them coming. Like when they call for like oh, a yeah. little bit of snow and you think you're gonna have to go to school and then you yeah. walk out the next day and there's like four feet and you're like, sweet. It's just and like you know, for me in my day, it was sitting by a radio and listening to KYW to tell me that that the school was closed. Um so, yeah. Is that waking me up to tell me that I'm off? That, yes, or that. The any shoes. greater feeling as a None. nine, ten year old, 14, None. whatever. Or your parents or your mom or dad just letting you sleep. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Ah. You, you wake up and it's light. You can see that it's light in your window. <laughs> like, it's amazing. Jumanji style. What year is this? <laughs> but I, I loved, I don't know if you saw it, uh, Miles Sanders being mic'd up during the game and his Bobby Boucher moment. And that was just Adam Sandler tweeted him. Yes, he did. did. It's amazing. Yes. Um, That's how, you know, that's how, you know, this team, they're special. 
there's it's something special. special and fun about it when you have Adam Sandler tweeting at you. Just wonderful. Can, I think does Adam, Adam Sandler, just, does he want to be a Philadelphian? Does I he, just he, was going to say that. We should adopt lo- him. Yes. He he's, is he's a, wistful. He's a huge New Yorker, and I respect that. Yeah. As someone who was born in the city, went to college in the city, he went to NYU, you know, right. keeps those roots, keeps those strong in his movies. Uh, but I will say, not just Hustle, Uncut Gems, some Philly yeah. ties in there. Originally, Joel B was supposed to portray right. uh, the script would obviously have been different, but Kevin Garnett's role in there was originally about to go to Joel Embiid right. before some things changed behind the scenes. Uh, this guy, a great guy, a generational talent in terms of defining what comedy is, I think, for our generations, 100%. a certain era of people, no, no doubt about it. As a kid, I've seen, I haven't watched Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore probably 15 years, start to end. It's still maybe Billy, Ma- yeah. Billy Madison is still probably the movie I've seen the most in my life. And I haven't seen it in 15 years. That That's... or rookie of, the, rookie of the year too. Those type oh, of movies where that. you would have on VHS before you could do anything. I would just watch movies on VHS all yes. day, intertwine some sports center. And that, that was my life. Yeah. Makes I sense remember, with this career. I remember when we discovered, like my friends and I discovered Billy Madison and happy Gilmore around <sighs> like 12, 13 years old and our lives are just yeah. never the same yeah. after that. Like yeah. it literally was life altering. It's like not even a joke. It was, yeah. He he literally defined comedy for us as as a as a kid, and it was wonderfully immature. And I will say, in an era where I mean, there's some stuff, of course, but in an era where like everything you watch back then seems so like super problematic and like cringy. His stuff is dumb, not problematic. Exactly. It's dumb and immature, but it's not, it doesn't d- dip into that realm. So good for Adam Sandler for somehow kind of be, well, maybe some of his other movies at, post that have actually yeah, been worse. There's um, some, uh, there's one movie that is very stuff. problematic. He made with Drew Barrymore. I've seen clips of it. It's one of those things that'll just be on TBS if you've watched yeah. like a Phillies playoff game and that's on after just a random thing. There's some movies in his career, but the golden era. Hey, man, no, people probably no. thought it was stupid, but if you were Hold a certain up. age, that's effing hilarious, man. Yeah, still reference Happy Gilmore. All the, I mean, how can you not re- reference Happy Gilmore constantly? Put him on a parade for Put him on a parade for in February. Yeah, I, I'm with it. Um, I, I think we should totally just adopt him as a Philadelphian. I think it's a great idea by you. We're going to talk. Uh, I mean, I feel like we barely even talked Eagles, but like uh, at this point, like what else is there even to say? Uh, no Gail one else out there is talking about Adam Sandler and the Eagles and cheese sticks right now. Let's sure. have our niche. No yeah. one. This is this is Jim all. Jim Hurts is league MVP. He is the betting favorite right? on almost all the sports books. Last time I saw, I checked. I wrote an article on Philly Voice, uh, recording this Tuesday, Monday. Did uh, usually if there's a Hurts big game, I'll write an article on how the odds have updated for his MVP voting. Last I saw, he was. Uh, I think minus 115 to win the award. Patrick Mahomes right. was plus 150, plus 175. So right now, wow. uh, he's the favorite. And it's crazy to say. And I wow. thought he kind of lost the award. I shouldn't say lost as much as, hey, the Eagles kind of just got in that midseason lull. They're just – they're beating teams. It's not setting the world on fire. Mahomes was getting really in his Mahomes mode with the crazy highlight-worthy throws. The Chiefs won the up and up a little bit, but – He's had some decidedly not Mahomes-worthy performances the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, had that unbelievable flip play to Jarek McKinnon for that touchdown uh, against Denver this week, but he also threw a couple of picks. So I think it's really Jalen's to lose if the Eagles win on Sunday in Chicago, and then on Christmas Eve go down to Texas and beat the Cowboys. They will have clinched number one seed in the NFC and a first-round bye, home field advantage, all of that. They will have been – 
what, 14 and one going to the final two weeks of the season, they might not even need to play Jalen Hurts those two games, nor do I think that should yeah. hurt his standard. He's he's been so good this year, they don't even need to play the last two games. That's so the Eagles are four, yeah, Eagles are 14 and one. Jalen Hurts turns in at least relatively similar performances to the one he did on Sunday at the Meadowlands. Uh, that's his award come February. I think they, they've since last handful or so years, half dozen years, they announce it after the season. Yeah. Though I like when they used to do like the NBA, wasn't it so cool when Iverson gets the MVP at, during at the finals playoff yeah. game or David Robinson gets it and Keem's like, F you man. And just yeah. destroys him. If that's fun stuff <laughs> that I wish they did more. I wish they did. I didn't, I mean, when Peyton Manning won as a kid, when, when we were younger, it would happen. And, you know, during like the first playoff weekend of the year, the votes were in, let's not make a presentation yeah. of it. Let's, Let's keep the juice. No, no, they do award shows now, so now it's all tied in. Oh, yeah, great. The 900,000 people that yeah. watched that really yeah. changed everything, didn't they? Well, I guess they figured the conversation will still happen on Twitter, and then now they can also have an award show with it, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what the appeal of doing it so late is, but I don't know. I don't get it. But, yeah, uh, it, as of right now, he is the betting favorite, and I see no reason why he should not be. Uh, Mahomes did not have a very good game. Mahomes is still Mahomes. He's great, but... As of right now, it, all of the criteria you would talk about for an MVP, Hertz has it all. He has the numbers. He has the team wins. Uh, and he has affected his team's winning as much as any player in the NFL. I think that is a fair assessment of Jalen Hurts right now. And it's just, it's really cool to see. Like I saw Dan Orlovsky like basically said today, and it's a feeling loud. He's like, I I'm yeah. an idiot. Like I was wrong. Like this guy has improved more than any quarterback I've ever seen as a thrower of the football. And it's hard to disagree. Like he has been unbelievable. He compared to the Drew Brees today in the pocket. Imagine Drew Brees in the pocket that can run like Jalen Hurts. That is an unbelievable player. One of the best players in the NFL. And uh, at season's end, he might be considered the best player in the NFL, which would be very, very cool for the Eagles um, to have their first, like, what, true MVP in AP, MVP history, whatever. Yeah, um, the Norm Van Brocklin thing. I need to get to the bottom of that. He That was the one year the MVP winner wasn't the AP winner. So the Eagles have never had an AP NFL MVP. That was the UPI MVP. So he's technically the NFL's official MVP, Norm Van Brocklin, for the 1960 season. Eagles quarterback, they win the NFL championship that right. year, first time they won championship until the Super Bowl year. I need to get to the bottom of that. <laughs> something only like 70 people, not 70% of Philadelphians, 70 people total probably care about. But I think I'm more equipped than anyone to go find out what that is. I feel like Ruben Frank probably knows the answer. He knows the or, answer. Or uh, stuff. Bob Atron also. Yeah. Yeah, he also knows. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. He knows a lot of that stuff too. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to touch on some Sixers, some, uh, some, what's the other team? Phillies and the other teams, the Flyers. Right. Okay. Uh, we're going to touch on that. Uh, after this, we're just going to take a quick break here on the, Thirsty Dog Shrink Faster podcast. We'll be right back after this. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back, and we are talking Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid over the course of the weekend with 91 points over the course of two games. Uh, they were coming off a brutal road trip. Three games that were just ugly, 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 ugly. They had three days off, which they evidently very much needed. I thought James Harden looked better, too, as well, against the Lakers and then even better against the Hornets. Doc Rivers actually said that he thought that was the best the best job James Harden has done as far as his role, as far as kind of perfectly encompassing what he needs from him. But uh, Joel Bede, absolutely spectacular and wins over the Lakers and the Hornets scored 53 on Sunday. I think the easiest 53 points I've ever seen scored in my life, um, but not to take anything away from him because he was terrific. Just was just very easy for him. That just shows how, how good he is. It's a compliment. Um, but they are, so it's two wins. Now they have this nice homestand here. They're, they're two games in seven game overall. Are you encouraged at all, or do you still just kind of feel mostly apathetic, kind of given what's been going on with the team? Yeah, my melancholy-tinged rant from last week still stands for sure, because we've seen performances like these before from Embiid, right? We've seen him get those 40-point games, 50-point games, and time and time again, they look effortless, right? So that says less about him than it does the, the organization entirely. Uh, it's great for Joe. I, you know, one's Eastern Conference play of the week. That's his second time winning this this season. I think he won it. It might be his fourth or fifth time in 2022 overall, the entire calendar year. It's been unbelievable. And I think that might help quell some concerns I had about him being completely focused, completely locked in. And again, it's hard to do that for an 82 game season. It's hard when you've been doing this nonstop for X amount of years now. I still feel a little apathetic about the team though. Though it's, I get it. I think I think it's a lot easier for fans to tune in and gel about this team coming off those performances, coming off those two wins, coming off Joe's fifty-three point game. Because getting back into that vibe where hey, the Sixers are on tonight, or hey, Embiid has eighteen in the first quarter, you have to turn the Sixers game on. Which I really haven't felt that way, or the need to reach out and talk to people that way in a couple of years now. So good for it. them. Love it for Joe. But we'll see. I'll be there Friday. I'm going to be there as a meeting nice. on Friday. I've never seen Steph play live. Mm. So I wanted to do that and maybe even just write about the experience itself of watching and warm up and all that shit. Yeah. So I'm trying to think. I had to have been there last year, didn't I? Or maybe I wasn't. Maybe when I had was season tickets, I would sell league. all the Warriors games and those and like the Lakers tickets would pay for my entire plan. So yeah. I've never, I've, I get I've, it. Told, yeah, I've only seen LeBron sense. play maybe two or three times in my life, which. Still doesn't feel like enough for how long he's been around. Yeah, I gotta be honest with you. I was this. He wasn't very like he was just he kind of coasted. I felt like Friday I mean, night, LeBron. Was he thirty seven? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean I get it. It's uh, but it's just, it was just it's just you know you you, you hope to see greatness kind of kind of transpire in front of you and you just didn't really get that that feeling Saw at all. Saw him play like, at the Palestra during the NBA lockout. One of the coolest I things bet. I've ever gone to. It was. Philly versus Baltimore. Lou Williams played. Chris Paul played. Durant was supposed to play and didn't. Melo was supposed to play and didn't. 
but it was still I'm sitting in the palestra watching LeBron James, you know, warm up and dunk and shit. And it was unbelievable. Meek Mill was there, Deshaun mm. was there. They weren't playing, they were there. Right. Unbelievable vibes. Two years ago, I definitely saw I remember seeing Steph. And it was one of it was it was when he was going really, really well. It was it was so like it was kind of like the it was that the play year he, the play in year when he was yeah, doing unbelievable. Exactly. When he they made were, that crazy run for MVP. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was like yeah. it was it was Jokic Joe and he finished third and like deservedly finished third and yeah. like um he was ridiculous, like unbelievable. And I think he hung fifty on the Sixers that night. And he was just it like some of the stuff he was doing. And I remember like a lot of Sixers fans getting upset, and I'm like, yo, this guy is just on a it, one of the most absurd heaters you'll ever see. He's one of the greatest be- offensive basketball players to ever exist. Like, it just is what it is. So I, I'm with you. It's it's always cool to see him, um, just how great he was. Last year was the year of well, Matisse did such a great job on him last year, if you recall. Yeah. That was one of the better. I think even Steve Kerr said it was one of the best defensive performance he's ever seen against Steph. So um which makes sense. Matisse is a guy that matches up extremely well against him. So and that's yeah. not to take anything away from Matisse. I think I think Steph did miss a couple shots that you know he normally would hit or is likely to hit, but I do think Matisse was in his head a little bit with the with the um rear view contests and all that. I think it did affect Steph, which is saying an awful lot. But Tuesday night they play the Kings and the Kings Kings are not a bad team this year. They're playing pretty good ball. Fox is playing great. Sabonis has been very good for them. Um, they got Herder and Monk in the offseason. But uh, I, I I, will say I was impressed by Embiid. And, like, something you said sparked a, a, a thought in my head on Friday. He said that because you remember he had that 20-point first quarter. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, had that 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 dunk on Thomas Bryant. The, the video replay did that dunk zero justice. It happened right in front of us in the media. And that was one of the most – vicious dunks i've ever seen in person it was were just, there gasps yes literally the, the, entire media members? Gasped, the entire arena gasped and a lot of people stood up like it was that vicious like it was it, like it was it was it was a very memorable moment and then he hits the fall away three in the corner like the next possession and scores 20 but he said after the game that that first quarter he said it was a message to his teammates because he said he felt like a lot of times people say that as he goes, the team goes. And so he yeah. felt like, okay, this is, I have to do this. So that was kind of to what you were saying. I, I do think maybe he kind of is, it, it's gotten into his head now that like, if, if I am not that guy every night I play, the team feeds off that just because that's who, that's the deal. And like, it is like, that's when you're a great player, whether you like it or not, the team feeds off you. And I do think speaking of LeBron, I feel like for the first three quarters of that game, LeBron coasted, and I think the rest of the team kind of uh, coasted a little bit, especially with AD in foul trouble throughout the night, and AD was ridiculous in the fourth quarter. He was awesome. Um, but I, there, when you're a star player and you're a guy who demands the ball a lot, the team's going to feed off you. That's just it. And, and they're going to play. They're playing off of you literally as a player, as the as the cog that makes the offense go, and they're playing off you energy-wise as well. So – uh, it was good to see him have that energy and that focus in those two games and, and for them to kind of take care of business. I actually really liked the way Harden played against the Hornets. Uh, I agree with Doc. I thought that was because for me, this is what I want James Harden to be. I want him to be what Chris Paul is being in Phoenix. Yep. I don't need him to score 50 points. I You just you don't need him to do it. You have Joel Embiid who can literally do it on any given night. You have Tyrese Maxey who can go off on any given night. You have Tobias Harris, who is a pretty good scorer as a fourth option. 
You don't need James Harden to score 30 a game. What you need is him to run the offense, find open guys, and just create because he still has gravity. He still oh, has yeah. he still has defenses playing around him and trying to and trying to take away his 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 breathing room. So because of that, and because he's such a good passer, he can find people, he can make it work, just needs to shoot at a level that keeps that going, right? Like that's it. So um, we need some I'm, 20, 22 and 12. That's what he should be aiming that's, for. That's, that's, that's and a great I think He was that's, 19, that's perfect... and, 19 and 16 against the Hornets. I thought that was perfect. That's fine. That's great. If you're going to, if you're going to get 16 assists, 19 points is more than, is more than five for me. So yeah. Yep. So I, I was very encouraged by that performance. We'll see as you know, the, the, the Kings are not the greatest defensive team, so we should have a good night, but the Warriors, as much as they are good offensively, they're also an extremely good defensive team. So that will be um, a good test for him as well. But uh, before we go, I just want to ask if you had any um, highlights or thoughts from Trey Turner, any, the, the the postgame presser, or if you had any thoughts on the Phillies signing Taiwan Walker from the Mets, who I thought was a pretty solid signing, and also uh, Matt Strom from the uh, Red Sox lefty reliever. Uh, the Walker contract I thought was above market value, but at the same time, you're going to spend three hundred million dollars on a on a thirty year old shortstop. Ain't might as money. well give might as well give seventy two million to your third or fourth starter just to make sure this ship ain't uh, sinking in, in August, right? So that's fine with me. I like the the uh, I love talking about pandering. Sometimes one time I got a really angry email from this guy uh, saying I was talking about pandering too much when I was referring to Bryce Harper posting a picture of him in like a Phillies uniform that was turned into an Eagles uniform that he reposted that some you know random. Yeah. 17 year old probably made and i'm like that's like an awesome thing i think that's awesome when people do stuff like yeah. that that's that's part of the fun right so trey turned talking about hey the the atmosphere played a role or some of those reports were saying hey the red october run the way the stadium was playing the way bryce harper was talking about how electric it is to play there love all that i do too. yeah so well, you, you, know you you phillies fans out there you're the reason trey turner signed here so you're welcome yes. so thank you exactly so thank you uh, and that's uh, you bring up Bryce. I feel like legitimately, if you told me that Trey Turner was biologically Bryce Harper's little brother, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would yeah. believe you. Yeah. They're like the same person, <laughs> um, but in a good way. I mean, I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way at all. I mean, in a, in a very good way. You could tell that Bryce at that point when when Trey was coming up, Bryce was the veteran. And he he 100 percent took Trey under his wing because he handles things. So similarly, they're just and, and it's it's they're just very similar people. You could tell, um, and I mean that in a good way. There is no such thing as a as having too many Bryce Harper types uh, would say. So very exciting time for the Phillies. I'm with you on the Walker contract. I had a I, I had a comment that I'll say for after. The yeah, podcast. I have a feeling I know where you're going with that, and I am, <laughs> I hear what you're saying, but um, political leanings aside, I'm <laughs> pretty happy with those two guys as Philadelphia Phillies. Um, but Walker, I hear you, and I think the qualifying offer was obviously a big factor there. Sure, yeah, that's smart because they already they already lost it for Turner, so they're losing draft right. picks already. I, and I don't I, really, I don't really care about the, the international draft yeah, draft money right now. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Let's be frank. Let's be frank. I don't give a yeah, shit. Yeah, no, I'm. I don't care about the money. I don't nothing. <laughs> yeah, win, win, yeah, win. Yes, I don't give yes, a shit. Just win, yes, baby. Al yes. Davis. Um, but also too, like, I, so he has one elite pitch, and I think there's something to. Like, I think when they make a signing like this, they see something in the guy that tells them, ooh, like, we can – not only is he pretty good, 
we think we see something that can maybe make them even better than pretty good. Similar sure. to the the Brandon Marsh trade, which I've I've talked about a lot. Similar to even the Edmondo Sosa trade. Like they see something in these guys where they're like, yeah, like they're pretty good, but we think we can, you know, at this price that we can get them at, we think we can make them even better so that the trade winds up being really good value. Or in this case, the signing winds up being really good value. Um, Zach Wheeler was, you know, pre this this administration, but um, a similar deal where they signed him to a, you know, a good fair market value. But I think it's fair to say he has exceeded that with how good he's been. And I think they saw something in him that also suggested that he could be better. So they I'm need to organize you to do like a, a day out with Brandon Marsh and do like a video series. on. I, we can't because I'm just going to gush over the guy for the entire time. You, you get the beard, you get the grow out the beard a little bit. Don't go to the barber for a little bit. Don't well, shake yourself just, up. Uh, if I just do a little, just, yeah, just a little stretch out. I don't know if you're going to hit his level. I don't know if anyone can. No, it's just but. it's glorious. Um, and like I'm a little bit of a weirdo, but he's a total weirdo. And I, again, I mean that so. Go do some weirdo things. Have some fun. Shotgun some beers and just do some Ooh. weird stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm in. I'm in for that. We, who do we know in Phillies? Who do we know with the Phillies PR? We got to get someone on this. Um, I actually do know some people, but I'm not. Yeah, probably won't use my powers for that. But save it. Yeah, save it. Yeah, save it for for when we need it. Uh, yeah. The Philadelphia Flyers are a hockey team. And they're in the NHL. Uh, so there's that. Cheers to that. Yeah. <laughs> That's gonna do it for this edition of the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast. For Seamus Clancy, I am Paul Hudrick. Please rate, subscribe, download wherever you get your podcasts, and we will talk to you next time, hopefully recapping an Eagles win.